Hey everyone, welcome back to Mindful Reflections. I'm Scott, and today we have a special guest with us today. It's my brother Brett. He is a elementary school teacher, and yeah, say a quick little intro. Hey everybody, again, my name is Brett, and I teach elementary. I teach grades uh, pre-K through four, so I teach a large range of kids. And it's overall, it's great to see the impact that it has, not only on my life music does, but on those kids' lives as well. So yeah, um, Brett studied music for all four years in college. We, we both study at the same university. Um, I noticed for myself, I play um, four instruments myself, so uh, I noticed a lot of creativity sparked, and it, it can bleed into different aspects of my life, so we're going to get into that in this podcast. But uh, tell me more, Brett, about, like, you would practice clarinet a lot. That was the main instrument he played in college. So um, give me some perspective of how, uh, like, music bleeds into a lot of our life like different aspects of her life yeah it's kind of crazy actually um like one one thing that's really interesting that i've realized in actually my elementary kids first is that um music is just natural it's a natural part of people um like for instance i'm teaching my kindergarten rhythm and they have no clue what a steady beat is but i count them one two ready go and they clap the rhythm in that steady beat and it's kind of crazy how natural music is a part of our lives but as you were saying it does bleed into other aspects of our lives as well like for instance as i'm practicing clarinet really hard it bleeds into me working hard to teach kids how how to how how to learn music um, it also makes sure that in another aspects of my life, I'm a hard worker as well. And along with that, it makes me great at perseverance too. You got your goals that you set. You always got to make sure you're completing those goals, and that's what music has helped me with as well. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I noticed one thing for myself: music combines. It's it's both sides of the coin. It's it's logical. There's actually a lot of math behind. It. I took music theory. Uh, for a semester brett took it for what four semesters right yeah i had to take it for four semesters and would you agree with me brett it it's math music is math oh yeah for sure for sure anytime i had to um include another subject into my lesson i would always include math because as scott has said um rhythms is definitely a big portion of that math and music yeah and the 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 premise of music theory it's all mathematically based like how far notes are apart from one another everything comes back it boils down to math so do you want to talk about brett how uh music brings out both logical sides of us and the creative sides and how we can like uh like balance those two yeah for sure as you were saying before like with, with math for instance um in music it's it's a lot of math like figuring out like how how many beats a certain rhythm can take figuring out all the way down to um how many like what's the waveform of a certain note you know like 440 hertz is always an a for instance so like there's definitely that mathematical precision side of the brain that's working but also too it's very creative as well you can use these numbers to create beautiful songs and it's just kind of crazy how this is probably one of the only things in the world where it combines those two things together. It's just really amazing to see how it all gels together really nicely. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of aspects to music. You can get into songwriting, you can play instruments, you can, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot. You can collaborate with a lot of people. What's your favorite as- aspect of it all, Brett? I'd say creating, honestly. Just the process of creating. I know a lot of people want to see views and get get their music heard, but it's as the saying goes it's the journey not the end so just figuring out what instruments sound great together what chords sound great together just problem solving and eventually like putting out a product that wouldn't have always been there if i wasn't here to create it so it's just nice knowing that 
Uh, what, what would you say your process is for writing a song? Because Brett goes under the, the name BR628. Um, check him out on Spotify if you want to. But what's your favorite process of it? Like the, the beginning, like trying to get all the chords together and the lyrics or like what's your favorite part of it? Um, that's a pretty deep question, but, uh, I would say just like in the infancy of the song, like, you know, okay, I get a chord progression down and then I start to see like what instruments kind of stack up on top of each other. And it's pretty cool just to see like, oh, like noticing whenever instruments start to gel together, noticing like whenever a melody sounds great over a chord progression. But I think to add on to that as well, I love collaborating with other people and it's amazing to see. Um, most of the time I'll, I'll write the song and I'll make sure like the melodies are there and everything else. And then I have a person sing on top of it. So it's just amazing to see like that vision that I had in my head, having that other person being able to sing that back to me way better than I ever would have. It's just amazing to see like sort of what I said before, how the song gels together and comes, comes as one. It's amazing. Uh, so speaking of collaborating, I want to get into a bit of the psychology of it all. Um, do you treat each person you collaborate with differently like do you like have different dynamics and you acknowledge that um yeah do you want to expand upon that yeah sure so um whenever you first meet meet um somebody that you're going to be collaborating with i go in with the same approach pretty much but then like as the session goes on i try to veer more towards like the personality of that person it's kind of crazy because all singers have the personality where they're really shy really timid really afraid to sing out so I really try to like grab into that but sometimes like for instance some singers are great at conveying different emotions than other people so I may have to give like imagery to some singers and be like hey imagine this scene whenever you're singing and then that helps them sing while other people already get that off the bat so it's it's kind of interesting how that works out but um yeah in the end your goal is to try to get the best product so whatever you got to do you got to do yeah so for what i'm hearing you want to get them comfortable and then kind of let them set up their own canvas so you kind of adapt to the artist exactly exactly and i it kind of brings up another point as well i like the artist to sometimes steer where we're going to go as well because i may have like the foundation set up for them but for instance they may change a melody accidentally or they might do it on purpose and sometimes i'm like wait a minute that sounds really cool we need to stick that in there so it's kind of like it's kind of like a conversation going back and forth like they they give me some ideas i give them some ideas and we end up creating a great product and that's really cool how you phrase that because the way i view music is um, essentially the end product is a conversation. Um, the, the, the consumer of your song can feel the energy that was in the studio. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And like, it's kind of crazy too, because, um, usually like in songwriting, they tell us like to make, make your lyrics conversational so that people understand how it goes. So maybe it's even a conversation with the listener as well on top of that. Right. And it's hard to have good lyrics in a catchy beat. I mean, that's, having it too is hard yeah it for sure is but i guess like it sort of goes back to what i was saying before it's, it's part of the journey you know it's part of the challenge and it's obvious it's honestly what i really enjoy right so out of like every 10 songs you make how many get released like how many are in the quote-unquote vault and how many do the public get to see i think part of it depends upon what you consider a song sometimes i'll start off with like a chord progression and maybe like a drum kit or a little melody over top and then i'll just scratch it because i'm like eh, i don't really like it i'll keep it saved in my quote-unquote vault for later if i ever need to but um i'd say out of every like 10 times that i do that maybe like 
two, three end up actually getting recorded in the full songs. It's kind of crazy how many times you end up quote unquote failing in order to get that final product of a song. Right. So, so that you don't burn out from like working on too many tracks at once. How many, like what's your cap? Like how much, how many different songs would you like to be working on? At once or what? like, what yeah, do you like at once. I don't know. I mean, what's nice is, is like, I'm one of those people where I like to have multiple projects at once. And then like, maybe I'll pick one to work on. And then it gives me a little bit of a break to work on another product away or project away from that other one. So it gives my ears a little bit of a break. Um, I don't know, I'd say max probably like five or six projects at once. Cause for this upcoming EP that I'm going to be releasing this Friday, shameless plug, but, um, go listen to it anyways well, this um, is gonna be coming out in two weeks so it'll, it'll already be out <laughs> okay sorry sorry no, anyways um go listen to it um uh, it's called rising beyond regret but uh, with, with it i was working on i think five tracks with um the artist i was working on at the same time so it was kind of crazy we recorded all these tracks all at once and she was able to go in the different directions with it but it's just kind of interesting how that dynamic works how like one song's a very slow song compared to another song being really heavy compared to another song being fast so i guess it gives you some variety but it also can be difficult in some ways too yeah um that that got me thinking um because i've recently got into producing music myself and writing some songs if anything i have the problem with overproducing. i'm only focusing on like one two tracks at a time so you start to look at too many details and um, I noticed for myself when I take like a day or two from like a certain track, I'm like, whoa, like you, you get a different perspective. But um, where I was going with this is how what's your technique technique to get into a song's vibe? Like if you're working on five different tracks, um, they all have different like vibes going for them. You enter one. How do you get back into that flow state of like how that track's supposed to sound? Um, I guess the biggest thing is like looking looking down at like what what is the theme of this song? What are you trying to go for? Is it a sad song? Is it a mad song? Is it a happy song? What is the song talking about if you have lyrics, okay? That kind of helps me get into the vibe because then I'm like, okay, I need to know. And then it helps me know what direction the chords need to go into, how fast the song needs to be, um, and stuff like that. Like It's just, it's just re- remembering like what what is the main idea of the song? What is what are you what kind of message are you trying to convey to your audience? And then that kind of helps me get into that vibe and that grind and able to produce that song. Yeah, that's cool. I know, I noticed for myself, I like to write in this like I I I'm always drawn to B flat major. I love having B flat and E flat E flat in my songs. I just I'm gravitated towards it. Um, out of like the four songs I'm working on right now, two of them have it. Just gravitated towards it. What would you say like your favorite? Um, like major to be in is depends what you're asking from perspective wise. Are you asking from song like singing, or you're asking from producing? Uh, give a give an explanation for all. Like so, songwriting, singing, playing on an instrument. Give sure, for yards. sure. Um, I'd say playing probably C major just because you don't have any flats or sharps right, to worry there's about. There's not much thinking involved there. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot easier to or I mean, in the retrospect of things, you could think A minor as well. But, so, um, um, sorry to cut you off, but like to oversimplify to any viewers that doesn't know what C major is, it's all the white keys. You don't have to think about any black keys. <laughs> yeah, correct. So it's really easy to. It's the default for music. Yeah, and then the key that I'd probably like to sing the most, and I'd say is A major, just because it sits kind of a little bit lower than c major but um 
it just sits really well with my voice. Now, depending upon who you're working with, they may like different keys as well. So knowing how all those keys keys work together is really huge. But for me personally, singing would be A major. Yeah, and A major doesn't include that many of those black keys, right? No, it includes uh, C sharp, F sharp, and G sharp. So only three sharps. It's not too much. I mean, to the normal person, it might be a little bit much, but... um. Yeah, overall, it's not it's not bad. Yeah, since you major in music, I guess you've seen the whole nine yards. You can go up to six or seven, right? Yeah, you can go up to um. Well, yeah, it depends. Like black keys, you can only go up to five black keys. But um, for instance, like we're not gonna go too much into it. But, yeah, um, but yeah, it, it gets kind of <laughs> complex. And correct. For yeah, singing and songwriting purposes, you're probably not gonna see that too often. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's why I try to stick towards um. <laughs> towards le- less sharps and flats it makes it like you said earlier a lot easier to to um record those parts for sure yeah so my favorite uh music genre is pop can you like talk about the psychology of pop and like how it appeals to a lot of people well part of it is um usually pop is in 4/4 four, four time meaning that there's four beats to a measure so it's a lot easier to dance to compared to something and maybe like uh, like a three time meaning that there's three beats in a measure kind of like a waltz so i mean you can dance the waltz but those are like part of the past so four four time is kind of like it's really easy to dance to also too the melodies are pretty catchy for the most part pretty repetitive so it's a lot easier to sing those melodies which helps those, the popularity of those songs but then also too on top of that the lyrics are easily relatable. The chord changes are very simple. A lot of pop writing nowadays is to it's catered towards the listener, making it as easy as possible for them to enjoy the song. So it has, um, coming from like my UX design background, it has the the user front and center, right? Correct. Yeah, it's very the, the music of today is quote unquote very user friendly. I would say. Mm-hmm. And um. Yeah, so it has the user front and center, and like Brett was saying, the lyrics are just kind of repetitive and easy to remember, and the forward beat, I mean, if you just go one, two, three, four, I mean, that's just a forward beat. It's just kind of default mood for music. Like just like C major, four beats is just kind of the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, it's not as complex as it could get. Like there, there are some artists today that make pop that are very complex, but they're obviously not as popular as the ones that, are doing that easy stuff, that danceable stuff that people love to listen to. So I noticed um, a lot of music critics, they like to, they're not a big fan of pop because it's kind of diluted music, to put it simply. Um, What's your take on pop? I mean, I guess from like a music theory standpoint, it's pretty quote unquote boring, but any type of music that you like listening to is in your mind great music so honestly i don't mind if people love listening to pop it's it's catchy it's it gives you something to dance to and ex- it exposes people to music most importantly which i think is huge because without pop and the rise of pop not as many people might be enjoying music as they should be you know so yeah and you took some music history classes when did pop become like a big thing Pop started becoming popular after, I would say, the rise of rock and roll, maybe like the 80s, 90s. It started to really catch. So like synths, they help with that a lot. Correct. The the um, adaptation of the synthesizer really helped. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, pop's like the forefront. Like that's what you hear on the radio a lot because it's popular, short for popular. Um, 
so um, I want to kind of get into like how music can help people. You're kind of going down that rabbit hole. I want to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, the, the university we attended has um, a music therapy program. Not all colleges have that, but ours did. Do you want to talk about music therapy and like you were saying how it can kind of help mental illnesses and overall holistically improve people's lives? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of it's kind of crazy because like like what what I talked about before was music is natural. So um, I guess like with that, it was awesome to see this music therapy program operate because students were able to connect music to people that otherwise aren't able to connect with the world. It kind of gave people a voice to speak. Um, like I, I've heard a bunch of stories about people being nonverbal, not responsive to a whole lot, but then once they hear a song, then they their energy just changes. You can see a smile on their face, they start moving, and even sometimes they start talking, which is kind of crazy how that that's able to, to to change that person in their mood. It's just really crazy what music has and the capabilities that it has to do. Um, it, what was very interesting was I was able to... Um, participate during my student teaching in a um, special education music classroom and honestly I was very scared going into this opportunity but overall it's kind of crazy it was my favorite experience of that student teaching because just the joy and energy that those kids have as well it's it's crazy especially towards music yeah and music is they say the universal language of the world because uh, it's standardized in the sense where there's the same bars, the same clefs, the same keys and majors and minors. Um, do you think that has something to play in with? Um, yeah, I'd say so for sure. It's It just blows my mind how you could give the same music to somebody across the world and they'd be able to connect like that. It's just it's just insane how, how we created a system of for this music that is easily able to be read by other people. But then also, too, um, going into that, music is so complex that, like, there's just so much more to it as well that you could go down to as well. But the way we limit it and then everybody's able to participate in it, I think is really great for sure. Cool. So we talked about the social aspect. I want to get a bit broader. Um, I want to talk about the cultural impacts. Uh, you took some courses on this as well. So do you want to talk about how uh, it varies from culture to culture? Yeah, for sure. I guess the first thing I'd like to dive into is instrumentation. Um, we're not limited to just the normal like concert bands that you see, like their instrumentation, like flute, saxophone, clarinet, trumpet, trombone. Um, we're not limited to just like uh, just the string instruments that you normally see, like violin, viola, cello, string, bass. There's a whole bunch of different string instruments out there, like the kodo, the I think a PPU. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other ones that I don't even know off the top of my head that provide different kinds of timbre of sound, meaning like the quality of these sounds that they're able to produce. Um, it, it's interesting to hear that. But then also, too, some parts of the world use a different pitch system, meaning that um, instead of having the 13 notes of the scale that we have and then having it repeat, they have maybe 26 or 30 or whatever because there's all these pitches in between that you could use as well. So it's interesting to kind of hear those from a background where you only heard these 13 pitches and then you you, ha you add, I don't know, 10, 13 more. Um, kind of makes you feel interesting, a little bit strange for sure because you're not used to it. But um, it's always great to experience different things for sure. Yeah. So um, what would you say the biggest difference is between Western and Eastern cultures are for music? Um, I would probably say like the 
the different things that we value. Um, going back to pop, here we value the the comfort of the listener. I guess you could say the danceability of the song, how how much this the um, person can relate to it. I think in different countries they kind of value more of like the the whole experience like the people playing like their experience as well because you should see like especially like africa for instance some of those drummers they really get into that stuff it's really crazy to see like i it'd be awesome if i got to go over there sometime and get to see that and experience that but they get into it it's kind of like a whole community thing rather than i'm listening to my favorite artist on my on my um speakers yeah so um we talked a lot about the psychological impacts music has uh we're still exploring a lot more and more each day um how it can rewire our brains and how it socially connects with us uh what would you say the biggest psychological impact it has on us overall is brett um that's a that's a very deep question i I would say the biggest psychological impact it has on us is how connected it makes us become with other people um because you can make music in a vacuum, and I sometimes do that myself, but it's not as fun as whenever you make it with other people. And you're able to share that experience with other people, make those connections, and it, for, it further deepens that bond that you have with other people. So I would just say how connected and how open it makes you become with other people. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Brett, for joining the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Do you have any shameless plugs? You talked about the EP that's already going to been out for like a week and a half. Anything else? Um, nothing new in the in the works. Just just the uh, EP Rising Beyond Regret. Go listen to that, and then I have a whole bunch of other stuff on Spotify as well. It's a little bit older that you can listen to as well. All right, cool. So this was like a holistic overall psychological impacts of music. Um, I definitely want to have Brett again on this podcast. This is his, he's going into his second year of teaching elementary music education. Uh, maybe we can have you again and talk about your pedagogy and your teaching styles and how that evolved over the years. So, yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me again. I yeah, appreciate of course. Scott. Um, thank you for tuning in today, and I hope to see you next one. See you guys. See you, everybody.